0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, April 16th, 2022. Well, here we are on what is sometimes called Silent Saturday, the day between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, and so we're, we're kind of wrapping up Resurrection Week. We've obviously got our Easter services tomorrow—a great time to celebrate the Resurrection. Uh, but with that, you know this. Passion week will have come and gone. And this is a week for a lot of Christians. There's, there's more activity than normal. There's more events at church. I mean, I know for myself, what we did resurrection week live, there was a lot of speaking and extra messages and as a lot of Christians you're maybe inviting people to church and and you're singing more songs than normal or maybe even doing more devotionals than normal as you go through this special week. Well today we need to be reminded that we need more than just words. Talk is cheap, uh, but we want the words that we have said or the words that we have sung this week to be uh, lived out and to see the power in that and to see the danger if uh, what we say with our mouths is not backed up with how we live our lives. And we're going to see this with uh, some words that were said during the first Passion Week all those years ago. And we'll see that as we look at Matthew 21, 23 through 32, Mark 11, 27 through 33, and Luke 20, 1 through 8. Now, as we look at these passages, we'll look mostly at the account in Matthew as it gives us an extra parable uh, to go along with the main event that all three um, Gospels talk about. And now we get into a A part of the Passion Week where there are a lot of questions asked of Jesus. Uh, My brother likes to call this, you know, the, the religious leaders playing their favorite game show, Stump Jesus. And they lose every time, right? They come and they ask him questions. And if we're honest and we look at these questions, these are not good faith questions, these are not questions that they actually mean, that they genuinely want an answer for. These are questions that are meant to stump Jesus, or to tie Jesus up, or to put Jesus in an impossible, no-win situation. But we're going to see, uh, with their first attempt, they fail at their own game, And we see that, if you start in verse 23 of Matthew 21... It says, and when he, Jesus, entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? Now, what has Jesus recently done? He's cleansed the temple. He's teaching in the temple. All things that, well, they they do uh, make, by what authority are you doing these things? Somewhat of a fair question, but again, it's not a good faith question because uh, Jesus is already answered. I mean, there's been so much back and forth by this point that there's not much left to say. They've they've asked Jesus questions like this before. Jesus has made it clear that he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God, even if he didn't always use those exact words by what he has said. He has made it clear. In fact, it's those claims of, of deity, claims of equality with God that drive them to want to kill Jesus. So this is not a, a, a good faith question. On the part of the religious leaders. And so Jesus sees right through their game and he flips the game right back on them. Jesus answered them, I will also ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. From where did it come? From heaven or from man? And so now he puts them in a tough spot with his question. And you can see them saying, well, if we say from heaven, he's going to say, well, then why didn't you listen to him? But if we say from man, you know, the crowd will turn against us because they think John was a prophet. So they say, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And again, Jesus is not, I think, trying to duck the question. He's seeing through their games. He's already answered that question, but he's exposing them for the frauds that they are, and and then he goes on to tell this story, and this is kind of where I'm getting this idea of, hey, talk can be cheap, let's make sure our talk is met with actions, and that's what we see in this parable, starting in verse 28, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today, and he answered, I will not, But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he said to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your mind and believe him. So basically, Jesus is saying, hey, you're the brother in the story that said, I'll go, but then didn't go. Where the tax collectors and the prostitutes, you know, which would have been kind of the just the biggest examples of sinners in their society that they would all resonate with. Uh, he's saying they live this life of sin, but then they have actually responded to the message of the gospel and the call for repentance. Uh, and he's rebuking them for, you know, hey, you, you put on this religious show, but you don't actually listen to the word of God. And that's a good question, I think, for us, especially Easter week, just to check our own hearts. All the songs that we've sung, all the words that we've said, do we really mean it? Or has this week just been a religious show for us, right? That is not what God is looking for. He's not looking for a religious show. He is not impressed. And if anything, the events of this week, should not build up our own pride. No one should be leaving Resurrection Week thinking, man, I'm so good. No, because one of the main events of this week was a reminder that Jesus died on a cross for you. That's how bad your sin is. Your sin is so abhorrent to God. Your sin is so filthy and so wicked that the perfect son of God had to die a brutal death and experience the wrath of God on the cross so that you could be saved. If we walk out of Easter week thinking, man, I've got it together. We've missed the point. And so may we see that not only with our words, uh, not only with the songs that we have sung, but may we leave this week uh, really influenced in a way that we will live out what we have seen, that we will live out that humility, that we will live out that worship because talk is cheap. God is not looking for a religious, a religious show. He is looking for truly penitent, repentant, humble people. And those are the people that he transforms to live a new life. And that's what we celebrate with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through those things and only those things, forgiveness and transformation are possible based on what Jesus Christ has done. So I hope that all of our uh, focus has been renewed on those things this week and that they aren't just things that we've talked about or sung about, that there would be more than just words from us in response to Resurrection Week. Now, as we go to the Old Testament, we see uh, chapters 9 and 10 of the book of Judges. And remember, we talked about the cycles of the book of Judges. Of judges, how you have sin, and then you have the suffering at the hands of some foreign invader, uh, and then you have salvation, as God provides a judge who leads the people out, and then there's generally silence um, before the cycle restarts again. And, and I mentioned as we started the book of Judges, it's gen it's generally a downward cycle, it's a downward spiral. In This book and you start to see a little more of that even in chapters 9 and 10 how the chaos in Israel in this cycle is getting worse and worse and weirder and weirder and you see that a lot in chapter 9 is Abimelech one of the sons of you know, it says Jerubal that's um That's a a name for Gideon because he was against Baal. Um, And so he is one of the the sons, uh, but kind of half illegitimate son almost because he was the son of a concubine and not one of Gideon's several wives. And so he goes and he kills the 70 sons of Gideon, except for one that gets away. What a wicked thing. And that's where the world, you know, talks about karma and things like that, and what goes around comes around. And obviously, a lot of those things are coming from really godless worldviews. But what we see God say is things like, hey, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And that violence, you know, what you so you will reap and that's what we see here with Abimelech he was a man of violence he was a man of of evil and wickedness and that's what he ends up getting in the end right he, he has comes up with this scheme to become king well it doesn't go well for him and, and there's conflict between him and the people that he goes to rule over and then he kills a lot of them and they were faithless men they they reaped what they sowed and then he ends up dying as a millstone is dropped on his head and to avoid someone being able to say a woman killed me he has one of his own men kill him right and so you see this is this is chaotic right this this is not how it's supposed to be. But you see, hey, when we sow in these cycles of sin, we will reap uh, bad things. And that's where, especially this week, we can praise God for sending his son into the world to die on the cross, to rise again. And that's the only thing truly that can break these cycles. And we see uh, an example uh, of repentance in chapter 10 is the people really, you know, they, they cry out to God and God says, hey, I'm not interested in your words. Right? Here's another example of more than just words, but then when they come back and they say, we have sinned, and even they seem to show some acceptance of God, Well, you do, we'll accept whatever you do, and then they show actual action as they put away the foreign gods from among them, and they actually serve the Lord. And that's when we see God become, as it says, impatient over the misery of Israel. Now he's going to step in and, and do something about their suffering in response to true repentance that wasn't just repentance in word, but it was repentance that clearly showed itself in the fruit of them actually turning from their idols to serve God. So another example of more than just words. And if you're listening to this in the morning on Saturday, remind you to at least pray if you can't attend or serve at our extravaganza event from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then we would love to see all of you tomorrow for our Resurrection Sunday services. Those will be at 8 a.m., 9.45 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. So again, note that's different from our normal uh, Sunday morning times. If you show up at our normal times, you'll be off for any service. So that's 8 a.m., 9.45 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. And may this week see more than just words from us. May it lead to actual transformation in our lives as we see from God's Word.